Episode 122 of the Bev and James Hours Show, the three-part healthy family. Alrighty, so welcome along to episode 122 of the Bevan Bevan Show, show your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fit fitness so that you can get, get all benefits that come alongside it. Well, welcome along to 2018. The year has begun and uh, so far my year has been pretty fantastic to be honest. We're camping with a great bunch of friends um, and it's just really awesome you know i love i love camping it's if depending on where you're listening to this in the world summer it's summer in new zealand right now and it's when we take our big holidays tend to be over the summer period obviously and and we go camping with a big bunch of friends and just everything about it's great um it just really sets you ahead for the rest of the year really well so i started my year with my wife joe and we went camping down in a place called glendu bay um, with some good friends and had lots of laughs. It just reminds you of what's important in life. Friends, um, fun, <laughs> just the important stuff around that. So it was kind of cool. And then we went and spent a couple of days in Queenstown and uh, back home into the swing of things. Now, one thing I have been doing, which I've really enjoyed, is sit down and do my goals. Um, I've got some big goals going with this year. And one, one of the things I've really been focusing on is use of mind energy. Um, and... I'm, you know, if you've listened to the show for long enough, you'll know that I'm kind of into strategies and things like that. But one thing I've been really thinking about as I've been doing my goals is, you know, what tools am I going to use to help me achieve my goals? But also, what are the focuses that pull me away or distract me when I'm trying to be focused? And a good example is yesterday I went for a really cool run. I have a loop that I do here in Christchurch from my house. And it's about an 18k loop, and you run down the hill, because I live on a hill, you run down the hill, along a flat for about 5k's, and you run up, probably it's about 400 metres high, high, the height, you know, so it's a place, it's a place like from the bottom to the top of the hill is probably about 400 metres in height, um, run around, it's a big loop, loop's about, it takes me, I think it took me an hour and a half yesterday, um, and it's, it's about 8k's, and it was a really, really good, and I was having a good run, run, and I was thinking about the comparison when I run, and a good time to think about this is when someone who's maybe a bit faster than you is beside you. Now, yesterday, my run, I wasn't really surrounded with faster runners, I was very much by myself, or passing walkers and cyclists and stuff like that, so it wasn't that people were passing me, but I was just thinking about this, and I was thinking about often if I'm in a race or if I'm running and someone's faster than me, I, I go to justification. I go to, that's kind of what happens inside my head. So I go to justification why, um, it's, it's probably a protection mechanism that I use. I, I justify why I'm not with them. So it might be I see some young people running the faster than me and so I'll, I'll justify it as like, well, when you're 40, we used to be running like I'm running now. Um, or if someone's faster than me, it might be I justify it because, well, I've had a big week of training this week and so I'm tired so I shouldn't be running this fast. Now, I can see why I would use, my mind would pop up with these strategies that would pop up with these strategies because it's a little bit about protecting myself, probably protecting my ego, probably protecting me just in that kind of general sense of 
protect myself from maybe from some insecurity or a comparison that may be dangerous for me. But ultimately, as I kind of start to become aware of these things, it's like, well, is that the best use of my mind space? And ultimately, if people pass me when they're running, they, they just pass me. That is what it is. And what my mind space is best to get back to is just the enjoyment or the focus that I'm trying to get out of today's run. So let's say I'm doing my loop that I did yesterday and I'm running up Rapaki, which is a challenging hill that you, that you run Christchurch. And somebody passed me, well, I could go to that mind space of justifying why why passed me or finding excuses. Uh, sometimes I might be doing an infection thing because I'm not, not really the intensity I should, I should be too. But that use of steps shift in my mind space ultimately away from what I should be doing and that is just trying to get the best out of this run for myself and what what the better this run may may be may be just enjoying running up the hill it may be trying to run as fast as I possibly can or it might be just absorbing the moment and so one thing I'm trying to think about as I think about doing my goal setting is what tools help me get the most focus out of my life and really using those tools to to really deliver being in my most focused place as often as possible. But the other thing to think about is, um, or at least that I'm thinking about is, what are the mind strategies that work against me? And, you know, just catching those moments. And that run example was one, you know, that when somebody else is faster than me, or even if I pass someone slower, sometimes I can think, what are they thinking of me? Now, again, that's totally not really what my run's about. So it's just these, you know, learning what are the tools that pull me away. And then, so as I, as I learn what pulls tools, well, what, not tools, what mindsets pull me away from focus, then I can then use tools to get me back to the right focus. And that's kind of what I was thinking about yesterday. How, when I feel that, do I just stop it and go back to what I really want to get out of? And that's kind of, I've got some very practical goals that I want to achieve this year. But at the same time, I I really think that I um, want to be learning what these are, these focuses that are pulling me away from that really good place that I want to be in. So, learning those and then shifting my focus anyway it's kind of just a random thought that i want to throw out uh today's show is probably brought to you by my patrons and i'm going to name a few, a few other friends of the show anna anna dungy she's actually she's a she's a, she's a mean man anna does like sports she's, she's a man she's a pretty high academic person bit of an all-round winner really then we've got anna Super duper amazing, 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 sorry, Amanda, super duper amazing Amanda. We've got, we've got Ali, float like a, a butterfly, sing like a bee, brown, brown. We've got Priscilla, love me tender, all shook up king. And then Esther, the golden one, chin green. And then Sam, wiggly, squiggly, wiggly arms green. And Olivia, Alice Garland, wonder girl. These people are all patrons of the show, which means they contribute to the show each time that I put out a show. And if you want to become a, a patron, just go to bevanjamesisles.com and it's all pretty clear on the website. It's just a way to support me and what I'm doing. And I've got to be honest, it really does support me in doing this show. Uh, today's show, I'm going to be talking about this concept of three parts of a healthy family. Um, yeah, oh, oh, let's get into it. I'll put some music on. Let's get straight into it. Joe and I went round to a friend's house 
um, um, I think it was a couple of days before, before, maybe it was after Christmas, and uh, we were just having like dinner with these friend, friends, and they're like one of our core cool friends, you know, and and most of us are going to have a group of friends that, that you know, there's layers of friends, friends when you think about it. There's you have acquaintances, and these might be people you know to have, have a quick down to, and then there's people who connect with a lot, but maybe aren't that deep level. It might be workmates, it might be people and hobbies you have. Um, you know, and so on, and then there's that kind of, that deeper level of friend, and that deeper level of friend is that person who you, you really make a commitment to in having them in your lives, and they bring a lot of value to your life, and um, yeah, they're just a really good part of your life, and I'm, I'm very fortunate in my life because I have a lot of people in my world, I have a lot of people who I spend a lot of time with, you know, I pretty much stand in front of around a thousand people a week, um, just through the role that I have in my community, and that role is something I really love, and I have a lot of these kind of connections, but I definitely, there's layers of connections, and while I'm very lucky to be in front of lots of people, I probably consider myself to have maybe five or six deep relationship friends, people who I really make a commitment to, um, you know, in that you know, best mate kind of way, and and it's not just friends, it's probably some couples as well, we have some couples who we spend some time with and stuff like that, Joe and I as well, and so we have these people in our life who we consider really good friends, and Joe and I went around to one of our friends' house for dinner a few weeks ago, it was kind of around the Christmas period, and this, this couple have kids and busy life, and you know, like, everyone's got a busy life nowadays, so well, not everyone, but most people have busy lives, and when you catch people around that Christmas period, you often see them at their busiest time, um, and why is that? Well, often leading up to the end of the year, there's more, you know, we're trying to get things complete, because we've got holidays coming up, um, there's more pressures at work, um, school is wrapping up, so there's, so there's kids are around and all those types of things, so it's just one of those times where the pressure life is a little bit more more doing and we were sitting down having dinner with these friends and there was a relationship so it wasn't like there was a massive tension but you could just tell there was there, there was not even a disconnect because there are someone a couple who definitely love each other and it wasn't that they could see there were big problems but you could just see that they felt they each person in the relationship, each of the adults, the mother and the father and my friend and his wife, you could see that they felt that they were doing more than the other person. And and I kind of caught up on it and, and I kind of just kind of just said, oh, it looks, it seems like you, because we were talking about, you know, they were talking about how busy we were and, you know, and, and I and I kind of said, oh, it seems like you guys are in that place where both of you think that the other one doesn't understand how hard you are working. And, you know, you don't really, you know, you both of you are in that place. And you could see as soon as I said it, that both of their eyes lit up. And I really hit the nail on the head of how they were feeling in their relationship. They were feeling in a place because as individuals, they were both under the pump so much that they didn't feel supported by their partner. And because they were both feeling under the pump and not feeling supported by their partner, they thought their partner just didn't understand how hard they were working. Now, the mother, she does work, she works part-time, but she definitely looks after the kids, so she probably thought, you know, the husband doesn't realise how hard it is to look after the kids right now, and I'm working as well, I'm trying to coordinate Christmas, and then the husband was probably thinking, you don't realise how many hours I'm doing at work right now, and how much pressure I am at work, and then I come home and I'm doing this, this, and that, and 
ultimately what was happening is they were kind of starting to disconnect. Now around this time I was also having a session with one of my clients and it was it was kind of a similar situation where there's this of I don't understand how hard I work to make this to make this relationship successful winning in both divisions and we got started talking and there were some really obvious reasons this was happening and and I kind of in this conversation I came up with this concept of three-part health family and it's really what today is going to be about because our family and, and however you define family is such an important part of our life. And I know that today's podcast may not work for everybody. Like I, maybe it won't work for somebody who's single right now. I'm not sure. Maybe it will. Have a listen and let me know. But generally speaking, when we think of a family, there's it's basically relationships. And and what I talked about with my client was what we want to be creating is a three-part healthy family. And what is what is a three-part healthy family? Well, to me, it's where the individuals within the unit feel healthy. That's part number one. And then part number two is where the key relationship, and, and, and I'm talking about adults here, uh, you know, the, the the mother and the father or the, the, the man and the woman or the two men or two women, you know, relationships are so different nowadays. But the key relationship feels a strong connection together and feel supported by each other. So the individuals feel healthy. The connection between the relationship feels healthy. And then the third part is that the, the children or the people who are a part of the family also feel healthy as well. So then I started thinking about this is a topic that's been in my mind a lot over the last period of time. And so I suppose if we start thinking about what is a three-part healthy family and we're saying it's the individuals feel healthy, the unit of the key adult relationship feels healthy, and then the relationship between all the, the other people in the family feel health healthy. A good a good way to think about it is, is what creates an unhealthy family. What create creates an unhealthy family? And there's going to be lots of answers I'm not going to get across today. There's going to be lots of lots of issues that I don't address. And I've just written down kind of four areas that I I really create an unhealthy family. And the first is building pressure. Now, when I talk about building pressure, I often think it's about um, living life unaware in a way that actually makes us make choices that make our life harder. I think a while ago I did a, I did a, a write-up in the paper or, or I did a podcast around, you know, how do you create a passionate life? And, and one of the hard things I talked about in that podcast was that if you've built a life where you've chased the wrong things for so long, it can be really hard to get to the point where you can create the passionate life. So, for example, if you've created a lot of debt and you're in your 40s, well, you can't just quit your job and, and start to be a musician where you're going to make no money. You know, you've created this kind of pressure that you have to maintain and you have to almost have to work towards getting rid of that debt while putting a little bit of time in for your passion. Well, this is the same thing. And, and one thing I think about when we think about healthy families is what life are we building when we make choices? What life are we building when we make choices? And actually, Joe and I are going through this right now. We 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 are thinking about buying a new home, and we look at homes homes near. Um, we love our area, so we're kind of looking at homes in our area, and um, probably a little bit above the, above the point that we 
want to go in. And, and that opens in when you've got a big, t- big ticket. We we give ourselves a, a price. You might say you want to buy a car with ten thousand, but suddenly you're looking at cars with twelve thousand. You know, and when we look at these houses, they definitely are the kind of hats we want. But then the price probably creates a bit more pressure in our life. So making the choices to build out buy a house like that would be we're building more pressure in our life if we bought those houses. And we actually sat down quite logically, went through some figures recently. And in doing that, we kind of realized we could probably make it work. But what would be the pressure on our life to do that? And this is a choice we need to make as a relationship. And we have a very low pressure life because we've made good choices around things like debt. And so to get a better house, we have to take on more pressure. Now, as a relationship, we need to decide what kind of pressure that will be, and is that a healthy pressure that this that is good for this relationship? And maybe it isn't, and it's something we'll need to determine as a relationship. But often in life, when we're in a relationship, we don't we don't really think about what kind of life we're building. And it's funny we were on camp when we were camping. Um, one of the guys was jokingly making the comment about band-aid babies and the band-aid baby is you know a horrible kind of term really when you think about it but it's when the relationship's going really poorly we think that having a kid will be the answer to making the relationship strong and that hence the term the band-aid baby the band-aid to fix the problems of the relationship is to have a baby but actually if the relationship's a bit broken do you think adding a baby to the equation is the right answer and what kind of pressure is that going to create on the relationship moving forward? So when we think about what creates an unhealthy family, the first kind of point, point probably we want to think about is what kind of life are you building and the choices you make? And probably one fun thing about this is to do this aimlessly, to do this without understanding or purpose. And that's probably going to be, you know, like that band-aid analogy is a good, good, good thing about there. When you would, if you were to sit back and go, there's problems in this relationship, is having maybe the right choice right, right now? Well, the answer is probably no. The answer is probably more, we need to work on this relationship. And I know the band-aid baby is quite an extreme example of that. But when I think about what creates an unhealthy family, is going into those everyday decisions, big or small, and not really understanding the pressure they can create on our life. Now, it's not that you can have no pressure in a relationship, but we want to have an understanding as we make choices, so that we can make choices that lessen the pressure that we have. Because if we create a life that's full of pressure, then it's really going to create a very testing environment for our family unit. Whereas if we can create a life that has less pressure, a healthy amount of pressure, then those unhealthy behaviours that come along with pressure get lessened. Secondly, in my kind of what creates an unhealthy life is, and I'm going to put this as a big one, is the relationship becomes a habit. It's one thing I always find really fascinating. Like in my world, I tend to be surrounded with ambitious people who have um, desire to grow. You know, it's partly the nature of the environments I'm in. I tend to be around fit people and they always want to be kind of achieving fitness goals. And a lot of those people tend to have kind of ambition outside of their fitness as well. And I remember, like I used to do these epic camps and one of the things I loved about the epic camps, epic camps were these crazy training camps where you do, you know, 
60 hours exercise in seven days and it, it drew a certain type of a person but what I loved it was it, it wasn't it was a high-end athlete it was a high-end person who the epic really appealed to to and that's what I really really loved it so you know so you know like when we think about these these type of people it's often they have ambition in lots of areas of their life. But the funny thing about the, the epic was most most were from broken relationship. So these are these people who had very successful careers, were very successful athletes, you know, had you could look at their life and say success, success, success. And then they had this really failing area of their life. Like seriously, I remember one epic camp, I think we had 25 athletes. And only one was in a long-term relationship, and everyone else was either divorced or kind of in the roundabout of single life. And I found it really fascinating. And I think one of the problems for most people, or a lot of people, when they get into a relationship, is they get to a certain point where the relationship just becomes a habit. And they stop trying to work on the relationship. They don't commit to making this relationship a better thing in the long term. And really, in any area of your life where you want to grow, if you just make something a habit, do you grow? And when we think about a relationship, that's that's often meant to be the biggest thing, one of the biggest areas of our lives. And so, to me, one of the biggest problems that creates an unhealthy family is the lack of commitment to improving the life of the family. That, you know, if you set goals, or if you set ambitions, or you set growth, that should be looking at the family as well. And how do we make this family unit work better? And so... If you're listening to this and you're kind of, I'm kind of hitting a note with you, are you doing the work? And I'll call it doing the work. Do you have a commitment to making this thing better? So that ideally, <coughs> excuse me, uh, five to ten years from now, you're, you know, this, this unit will be a better thing than what it is now because you've committed to making it a better thing. Uh, uh, the thing I've put here is working as individuals, and I kind of mentioned in the introduction to this, to this in here, this whole idea of, idea of, you know, I'm doing my bit, but I don't really work as a team. And and look at a good family, they, they, there's this kind of team unit thing happening. When you kind of just see the, see the your bit, and that's all that really matters, I think that's a big problem in relationships, in family units, is that ultimately you need to do your bit but you need to also understand others doing bits as well so just working as an individual is a really bad thing and then lastly probably no self-reflection in the relationship in the family you know i think that's something that's really really important to think about to have these moments where you stop do some self-reflection and um really assess where the family is at and if we go back to that kind of idea of doing the work well if you put self-reflection as a part of the family life then you can understand where you can do the work so to me these are some of the factors now there's there's many more and i'm sure as i'm talking about this if i were to ask you what are the ones that i've missed you could probably come up with some more as well but then we start to look at what is the cost of these unhealthy behaviors well obviously that sense of working against each other a big one here is a sense of loss of self and this is a big one that often happens is that you know you're, you're living a life where because you don't feel supported because you don't feel appreciated because you don't feel what you do contributes in any way there's a sense of loss of self and 
it was really funny actually because I, I, someone I knew recently broke up from a relationship and this person was someone who definitely sees the glass half full and um, and their partner was someone who's kind of had a lot going for them and so when they broke up you kind of thought that the, the the person who was a little bit was definitely insecure definitely glass half full definitely pessimistic um, you kind of thought jeepers creepers they were really going to struggle in this next moment um, whereas the person who was quite secure and had a lot going for them you kind of thought well they're going to be right and to be honest they were they kind of moved on very quickly but <clears throat> the thing I found really fascinating was that the person who was the glass half full kind of pessimistic soul actually is thriving in this moment because in their relationship the loss of self was massive they they lost themselves in their relationship and they didn't actually know who they were and then by breaking up they had been liberated to actually have the time and energy to find themselves again now the unfortunate thing is that it had to take a break in a relationship for them to have this experience and for them to find themselves ultimately we don't want that we don't want that to be the cost of us being in this relationship that we lose who we are and ultimately maybe even become quite lonely in the relationship and that's actually a really damaging thing and often when that happens and this is probably another cost is that we start to look elsewhere to fill those needs and that's where things like fears and things like that happen and so on we, we also start to work against each other you know like if the relationship is quite you know unhealthy then what we, we bring to each other you're really quite damaging it can be you, you can be quite critical you can bring it's just the energy you have around each other you know it's also everything you miss out on companionship um intimacy you know those valuable things and then when we bring the kids into the equation well, what kind of role model is that for the, the relationship you role model for your kids not just the relationship but also um who you are as yourself like if you show your kids as a parent that you don't know who you, you know if you lost yourself well, what are you teaching them as they grow up and also how do you interact with your kids because your relationship is struggling now some people are really good at disguising that some people do actually are great parents in a really horrible relationship and then you see when their parents kids grow up they kind of break up with their relationship but still there's a big cost to that and for a lot of people they don't actually do that well that the cost of their relationship is reflected upon their kids so these these are some of the costs that we have in helping having an unhealthy family so then what am I trying to kind of promote here is probably something I want to think about here and, and it's this idea of the three-part healthy family and if I go back to what I was talking about earlier on three-part healthy family to me is one healthy individuals two a healthy relationship and in three a healthy family unit and it is with the kids involved so first of all healthy individual actually I should probably work on the healthy relationship first so what I want to talk about here is first of all the, the, the connection between the two adults is very healthy and if I go back to some of the points I've talked about around what creates an unhealthy family well to me the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be a commitment from both of the adults kind of a time and a place and a routine around reflection and growth of the relationship 
like I talked, talked about before, lots of people, people have question and growth in many areas of their life, but don't do any work on their relationship. And in an area of your life where you want, you want to, you really need to reflect, plan, and kind of move forward. And if you don't, don't enter regress in that area. So if you're in a relationship and it's just a habit and you're not actually thinking about how you improve your relationship, well, it's time to kind of start working on it. So the first thing that needs to happen is that with the the kind of the adult relationship, and that's one of the parts, is you need to find a time and a place to do the work. And it's really funny how hard that can be because often you have the habit of time together. It might be that when the kids are gone to bed and you finally sit down at the end of the day, you sit down and watch TV together and you think that's connecting and you have the intention of getting out a book and doing some work together on the relationship. But you're tired at that time. So it's the thing that you know you should do, but you never do do. So to me, the first point is make a commitment to the relationship. And that means that both of you will work together around time on working on your relationship. And that is just purely, well, no, that's probably the adults and the whole family unit. Then within that, you want to be thinking about a couple of things. So the first thing you want to be thinking about is what do you need to do to grow as a relationship? So, you know, that's where you can really do some really good assessments of um, the skills of your relationship. Like one of the things I often teach my clients is the communication skills. Like most relationships have really poor communication skills. And so in kind of sitting down and going, okay, where can we improve our relationship? You can reflect upon some of the areas. Okay, well, um, where am I lacking for, for you now? And you say, well, I don't feel feel good. So you can work on communication. Or it might be, well, I don't, don't feel supported. Okay, well, maybe I need, need to show my partner when they've done something really great. What I find really fascinating is when we, like, like often in relationships, the partner does, does actually know that they're poor at something. And when we teach and communicate well, well, then they often do try. Now, sometimes they don't, and then maybe you need to reflect upon that relationship. But if you tell your partner, you know what, when I've done a hard day's work, um, or when I've cleaned the house or something, I really appreciate it if you just tell me, you know, that you've seen that I've done it, or that you appreciate that I've kind of put the time in to do that. Now, you've guided them to teach them how to behave, so that next time when they come home from work and you've done their housework, and they see that you've done this, they might go, oh, I need to let them know, oh, thanks for doing that housework, I really appreciate it. And you're training them in how you work. And in this time together, that's what you can do, is you can spend time working out how you each as individuals can improve the relationship. Also, where, where don't you have the skills? Okay, we're not very good at communication. So what we need to do is we need to figure out um, how we can communicate better. So let's do a course on communication or something like that. So how do we evolve our sense of connection? our sense of together, our sense of support, our bond, our intimacy, and all of those things. And if we can do those, that's going to be really important because then it creates a united front together. Then within that conversation with kind of that team, you and I, the second thing is the healthy individual. And one of the things that happens in families is people get very time poor. They get very time poor and they neglect the things things 
that are good for them, for their identity. It might be exercise, it might be a hobby, it might, might be catching up, up with whatever it is. But often that gets neglected. And you look at health, healthy relationships. Often when I see, when I see people who are in really healthy relationships, you see that they have family time, you'll see, see that they have time together, but you you might be the date night theory. theory. You also see that each of them gets time to, to do their thing. And a good friend we we have on Mother's and Father's Day, actually it's time away from the family, which in some ways sounds terrible, but actually it's kind of a way of saying, you know, this this couple with four young kids, they've got a busy life, and Father's Day means you can go ride your bike, he's a, he's a mountain biker, you can go ride your bike all day on that day. Or Mother's Day means that she can do some exercise or catch up with four friends or go to a play or whatever it is that she's into. And to me, a healthy relationship makes sure that the individual is getting looked after as well. So a good understanding around the individual is really important. Like, what do I need to make sure I stay healthy? For me, it's going to be playing my piano and do some exercise. For Joe, it's going to be going some exercise. And to be honest, it's to meditation. So for, for me and her, she needs to know that we've got to put this time aside. And I need to know that, you know, sometimes I need to encourage her to do a meditation or to go out to a run or something like that. And for her not to feel that I would stop her from doing that. Now, Joe and I are very lucky because we don't have kids, so it's very easy for us to maintain it in our life. But if you've got a family of kids, well, then that's something you guys need to navigate together to make sure you put in place. And that's something you really need to prioritize. Like sit down at the beginning of the week and have a kind of meeting with each other. Where are we going to fit this time in together? Where are we going to fit the family time and where are we going to fit that time for me and you as individuals? In a guilt-free way where we feel very supported to do that. And what I'm talking about is looking after the individual. Now there are some, some things you need to accept. You know, you know like you've just had young kid, kid and you had a lifestyle before this moment. You are probably letting go of certain levels of that lifestyle you, you have to accept. You ran 10 hours a week in the past but now you can only run, run 5. Well... You do have to accept that your life has changed. But then how do I get the most out of that five hours is what we're thinking about. And then then lastly, the family unit. And this involves the kids. How do you make your family unit an amazing family unit? Um, how does being a part of your family for your kids mean something special? What kind of energy do you have to put into your kids? Again, how do you work as a team to do that? Um, what kind of um, messages do you want to send to your kids? How do you educate your kids? What kind of energy do you want to have for your kids? Like I remember a long time ago, I was working with a client who was a very busy businessman. And he, he kind of, through our work, he realized he just really had no relationship with his kids. He was there, kind of, but he had no real connection. And he worked with his wife to make sure that he took his kids to, I think they were at play school at this time, a couple mornings a week. He came home early a couple nights a week to make sure he had that bond with his kids. And then the family also made sure they got away once a month. Just, to, you know, might have gone away for a weekend or something like that. And it was these kind of moments that the family unit needed. You know, like when we think about what creates great relationships, it's often shared experiences, isn't it? It's often an amazing shared experiences. Going back to my camping thing, one of the things I love about my camping is there's this kind of universal understanding that we, we, as a group, we're going to get the job done. And as a group, we'll kind of support each other. 
and is you know like I love this kind of to me that's what culture is culture is what is, what is underwritten understanding that we have as a group of people that help us that, that teach us just how to act and a great family had it as well don't they a great family family kind of understanding of how we treat each other and how we behave towards each other and the message trying to portray towards each other and what are the things the activities and the kind of the way that we portray that as a family now obviously it's going to be led by the parents and the kids are resisting that you've got to guide them towards this but that to me is probably the third piece in the puzzle of a healthy family so as you've listened to today's podcast and you think about your family unit now again as i said earlier this this kind of is modeled around a family of kids but you know a family unit is many things to many people so you can take what you need from it but as i talked about those first areas of what creates an unhealthy family things like are you building pressure are you not working on the relationship are you looking as an individual is there no self-reflection and then the cost of that that kind of loss of self the loneliness starting to look elsewhere toxic environment for the kids and so on is it time that you did the work on creating a healthy family and if we look at my three parts of a healthy family which are first of all a healthy relationship to make the commitment to work on and evolve the relationship and to get support in areas and, and tools in areas where you may not be strong but to actually make that commitment and then for the individuals in the relationship to feel like that they have a little bit of time for themselves which is really important and then for the family unit as a whole to create a, a culture that creates safety that creates love that creates support that, that makes your life something grand great and that's what good families have, isn't it? A good family, you can, you can see, you know, family working, aren't they? But a good family has these fundamental things of trust, love, unconditional support, poor, all those key fundamental things. And if you had a three healthy family, what do you think the effects on your life are? And to me, that flows onto all other areas of your life. If your home life sucks, then the rest of your life is going to be a struggle. But if your home life is amazing, you step out of the door each day with a sense of support of, I'm going to be alright because I have this amazing thing, the love of my family around me. And to me, that's a pretty powerful thing. And ultimately, as I always wrap it up, if you have a great family around you and you do this work, you'll be a better version of yourself. Radio Tim, well, that's pretty much this episode done and dusted. It's uh, 2018, so I'm going to go for a run, actually. I'm, I'm going to do a 40-minute run, just up the hill and back, and then uh, do some core workout, and then uh, play piano, spend a bit of time with my wife, and do a little bit more work. It's um, it's, it's exciting, yeah, I'm looking forward to 2018. It's going to be a big one. Um, I'm just kind of, sometimes in life you have this perspective that something big's about to happen and I think 2018's going to be that for me for this year. So exciting times ahead and I uh, hope you have the same feeling about your year. Um, if you've got any questions about the show, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. I'm going to be um, 
big in two weeks, two weeks time. If you want to become a patron, you can go to bevanjamesiles.com and you just click on the patron link and you can become a patron. Once again, thank you to all the amazing patrons who support the show already. And, and uh, spread the word about the show. Put a, put a, put a review on iTunes or whatever podcast you use. I am on Spotify right now. So if you've got Spotify, you've got the Bevan James Isles show, show and you can get it streamed to you there and then. Anyway, I'll uh, see you in a quick time and I hope, hope you're enjoying the beginning of the, of the show.